Taylor Heineke is back to being the Falcon starter, which means the Desmond Ritter era is over. But does that mean that the Arthur Smith era is also done in Atlanta? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, guys, want to thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. I've uh, been covering the Falcons for far too long, formerly at falcfans.com, RIP. You may also know me as Sirius Black. You may also know me as Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew, but you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this podcast. And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode is an all 22 review where we'll be talking later about some of the questionable play calls and game plan against this Carolina Panthers team as well as some of the defensive wrinkles that had positive and negative results. Uh, but of course, we have to start today talking about the news that broke on Tuesday morning, first reported by The Athletic that the Falcons are going back to Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterback. And we are once again playing the musical chairs, deja vu, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the second time this season that the Falcons have benched Desmond Ritter in favor of Taylor Heineke. Uh, this time they had more cause to bench him than they did back in week nine. Uh, mostly due to that egregiously bad interception that Ritter threw at the end of this Panthers game on a potentially game-sealing scoring drive uh, in the fourth quarter. And that throw is arguably the worst throw that Ritter has made this season, although unfortunately there's probably too many candidates and contenders uh, for that mark uh, since that list is a little too long. Uh, but, you know, it it was a problem particularly this week because Ritter has generally been good this season in the fourth quarter. Right. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that Ritter getting benched is an overreaction um, because the reason why he's getting benched is more cumulative uh, than anything. But we just basically have to look at that pick as kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And if you're new to the podcast, right, or you haven't checked in for a while, welcome or welcome back. But if you're, you know, an everydayer that's been tuning in for the last, you know, month and a half, basically since early November, you you know my stance on why Taylor Heineke being the starter is is a no-go, right? I don't see this move as an upgrade. You know, Heineke is just as turnover prone, if not more turnover prone than Desmond Ritter is. Um, and you couple that with the fact that when he was the starter for those two weeks, he had he showed a much weaker grasp of operating this offense than Desmond Ritter had. Um, now the argument for going to Taylor Heineke is theoretical in the sense of he does potentially raise the ceiling. That's something we talked about before where his sort of gunslinger mentality maybe lets him play a little freer, maybe a little looser, maybe allow him to push the ball down the field a little bit more than Desmond Ritter has. That hasn't necessarily manifested on the field yet, but at least in theory, that's the argument for why Heineke could potentially be an upgrade, but it also kind of lowers the floor for that because as I said, like 
he's a guy that's missing sort of the staple concepts in this offense. And it's basically a toss up on every single down, whether or not Taylor Heineke is going to see the, the play and read the coverage that he's supposed to read in order to make the throw. Right. And, you know, this move to Taylor Heineke to me, you know, smacks of desperation. And it raises the question over whether or not Arthur Smith is now coaching for his job. And I don't necessarily know the answer to that. That's uh, only a, an answer that Arthur Smith, I mean, sorry, Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner can answer. But as I said back in early November, and we'll see if Arthur Blank agrees, but for me, you know, Smith's job security for me was tied a lot to Desmond Ritter's play down the stretch. That, you know, after that Cardinals game, I basically said you would feel a lot better about retaining Smith in 2024 if he can get pretty good play out of Desmond Ritter for the remaining seven weeks after the bye. And now that at the end of the season, when, you know, Arthur Smith is going to Arthur Blank and Richard McKay, the Falcons president. And, you know, in this hypothetical scenario, like I'm also the third person in that room acting as a consultant to those two decision makers on whether or not Arthur Smith should keep his job. Like if he had gotten more out of Desmond Ritter, you could at least theoretically get on board with, okay, maybe Ritter's not the answer at quarterback, but we're going to give you another shot to get a, a different, better quarterback. And you've shown that you've been able to get more, the most out of these quarterbacks. And so we feel like, you know, that new quarterback is going to be in good hands is basically it. But, you know, now that the Desmond Ritter era is done and, you know, you may notice that I, I don't have the ring anymore. They, we called off the engagement now with Desmond Ritter. And if you don't know what that reference is, uh, that refers to something we talked about at the end of last season and back in January. Um, but, you know, and it's like Ritter is done, but at the same time, it's like there's a greater than zero chance that he might start another game this season because there's a greater than zero chance that Taylor Heineke throws like five picks over the next two weeks and <laughs> Ritter's back. So we're still playing the musical chairs, but let's just assume that that doesn't happen and Ritter is now done for the season. And, you know, the, the silver lining of that is like, you know, you can move forward with Desmond Ritter as your backup, as a, as a pretty quality, cheap backup. You know, all the experience he got this year. Um, you know, will make him one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But, you know, that that's really about it. But, you know, are you going to feel good about Arthur Smith being able to have part, be part of that decision-making process for who's going to be replacing Desmond Ritter as a starter? Because it's not going to be Taylor Heineke, right? And it just feels like the Falcons are basically in the same predicament that the Bears were in the final year of Matt Nagy, the Panthers were in the final year of Matt Rule right, where you have these kind of lame duck head coaches and they get to make one last sort of desperation heave at the quarterback position. The Bears, that was trading up for Justin Fields in 2021. And Matt Rule, that was, you know, getting Baker Mayfield in 2022 after, you know, whiffing on um, uh, Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. You know, Matt Nagy and the Bears whiffed on uh, Mitchell Trubisky. And, and so it's like, why do you feel like Arthur Smith should be retained where, you know, if he's part of this decision-making process to get a new quarterback like that potentially opens the door to hamstring whoever replaces him. Cause again, we're, we are operating under the assumption and maybe it's not fair to me operating on assumption, but if Arthur Smith is retained this year after the season, he will not last past the 2024 season because he's going to be, you know, the one of the front runners, if not the front runner to be the first coach fired next year, if he is the Falcons head coach come week one next year. Um, but so like you sit there and you're like, why are you, why are we giving Arthur Smith the opportunity to kind of potentially hamstring his successor? Because he might trade up for a quarterback in the first round. And all of a sudden now we're stuck 
trying to develop that quarterback for three years, including two years. Like you look at the Matt Nagy's successor in Chicago being kind of stuck with Justin Fields for two years. And now finally in a sort of make or break year for them, you know, going all in on, you know, potentially uh, the number one pick or something like that. Um, or, you know, signing a veteran, the Falcons could do that and and give, you know, a multi-year guaranteed contract to some veteran quarterback, like a Kirk Cousins or something like that. And that still hamstrings, you know, whoever takes over the Falcons in, in 2025 or something like that. So that to me is where we're kind of at, you know? And so it's like, if you want to ride with Taylor Heineke for the rest of the season, you know, be my guest, Arthur Smith. It, you know, for me, basically, I'm saying it, it's your funeral, right? So I'm sure some of you guys are probably wondering, you know, hypothetically, what happens if Taylor Heineke is good and the Falcons finish this year strong and they, you know, win their next three games to finish out the season and w- have a winning record. It doesn't really change anything, right? It's certainly it's good in the short term. You know, you got to nine and eight, you got that first winning record, but you're not going to feel like, oh, we're in good hands because Taylor Heineke played well down the stretch. Right. Like you're not, you know, it's not like you're going to hit your wagon to Taylor Heineke in 2024 and beyond. So you're basically in the same predicament that you would be regardless of how Taylor Heineke plays. And that, that's part of the reason why, like, I'm not really a fan of this move because it doesn't really move the needle in any shape or form. It's just, again, a desperate move to, you know, try to win games. Right. We'll see. We'll see if it works for the Falcons. So it, it ultimately is going to boil down to Arthur Blank and how he sees, you know, this thing playing out, is he going to be patient and give Arthur Smith another shot in 2024 like he did with Dan Quinn in 2020? And, uh, you know, I don't think the results are going to be drastically different. Let, let me just say that, you know, maybe maybe they start better in 0-5. Maybe maybe get to like 2-3. and three. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. Um, or does he pull the plug, right? So that will be a question we'll have to answer. You know, we'll, we'll have a better idea of that in, in three or four weeks. So we'll see. But, um... We'll leave that conversation to to that point three or four weeks from now, and we'll continue the conversation today, breaking down the film of the offense against Carolina and talk a little bit about some of the questionable play calling game plan from Arthur Smith in this game. First, I want to tell you about prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And now that basketball season is here, we love the specials league, which allows you to combine projections from different sports and different leagues, such as combining NHL and NBA, right? Austin Matthews, one of the top goal scorers in the NHL, combined with Steph Curry on Tuesday night for shots on goal and three pointers made, right? Great killer combination. And so if you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250. With prize picks, simple to play. Just pick two or more players. Pick more or less on the projected stats. It's just you for the pro- versus the projections, not you versus anybody. And the more entries you make, the more money you can make up to 25 times your money. There's quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types is why prize picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL in lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So before we continue today's episode, want to plug the locked on sports today, 24 seven streaming channel. First of its kind offered by locked on network, getting you all the lowdown on you know, the biggest stories from across the leagues, across the nation, get that local expertise, all that and more. So check out Locked On Sports today's 24-7 streaming channel and check out Locked On Sports Atlanta for a more local flavor uh, 24-7 streaming channel as well. So uh, looking at this Falcons game plan against Carolina, it was very similar to the game plan against Arizona when 
in Taylor Heineke made his last start, which was a very sort of run-focused game plan, a very conservative passing game. And as I noted on yesterday's episode, the reason for that was because Arthur Smith lacked tr- complete trust in this offensive line to hold up in pass protection. So you saw a lot of mats protect. You saw a lot of play action. You saw a lot of moving pockets. And when they did go strictly drop back, it was a lot of sort of quick throws, screens, those sorts of things. Um, and it's, you know, we talked about it with Taylor Heineke against Arizona. Like those are sort of level one, what we're talking about, kind of minimizing the quarterback's impact on the offense, right? You're asking him to just kind of just manage the game and not really be the catalyst that's going to, you know, be the engine. After we talked all last week about we need Desmond Ritter to be the engine. He came up short. The engine sputtered last week. And so basically Arthur Smith is telling us he doesn't believe in Desmond Ritter, given the conditions, given the offensive line play, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and unfortunately, Desmond Ritter had a couple of opportunities to make some throws, didn't quite make them. The the most egregious one that he did make was that interception at the end of the game, uh, where he had an opportunity to, you know, live the play another down and preserve the Falcons' ability to make points. And watching that play on film, it was very clear that he was trying to be a hero and force a throw into the end zone, the the CP in a very very small window, uh, missing underneath the receivers. It was just again more of an out like again. Desmond Ritter turning the ball over in the red zone is not an outlier, but Desmond Ritter turning the ball over in the fourth quarter in the red zone probably is. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, you've noticed over the season, I have defended Arthur Smith's play calling and game planning a lot this year on the podcast and potentially will continue to do so. Although I think this is probably the game where I had the most questions about that, right? There have been a couple of other games where it's like, mm, why are we doing that? But this game, to me, it was like mm, a lot more head-scratching decisions in this game, right? We talked about this before where you had 18 early down, first and second down handoffs to the running backs in this game, and Bijan only gets two of those, right? This season, he's averaging about 45% of the handoffs on early downs. So that would mean, you know, mathematically, he should have gotten at least eight of those carries. Why did he only get two, right? I could speculate on why. Right. Maybe the conditions leading to concerns about ball security. And we've talked before about how Tyler Algier is a much more reliable running back when it comes to that stuff. But it doesn't necessarily explain the disparity. Right. You know, I don't know. But, you know, even if that's the case and you don't want to necessarily hand the ball off to Bijan on early downs, that doesn't mean that you completely ignore him elsewhere in the offense. And why weren't there other ways to get him the ball on early downs in those situations? If you're not going to hand the ball off to him, why not, you know, design some sweeps, jet sweeps and screens and swing passes and all those various things designed to get him involved in the game. We didn't see enough of that. And, you know, as I said, the, the problem with the Falcons game plan was that it was designed to mask their offensive line. But while you're trying to, you know, uplift the offensive line, you're you're bringing down the receiver core because oftentimes when you go max protect and you do the things that the Falcons were doing, you're only releasing two or three receivers into the route. And it's hard for those guys to win in those situations where, you know, Carolina is dropping, you know, six or seven or more into coverage and two or three guys are going to be hard, have a hard time finding space with all those bodies in the middle of the field. And that's kind of the key difference between this game and the Arizona game with Heineke, where like you weren't running a lot of that stuff in Arizona. You weren't necessarily limiting Heineke's options like you were Desmond Ritter. So for that reason, like, while again, I'm very critical of Ritter on that one play that cost us the game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sit here and and say otherwise. Um, You know, I think it doesn't necessarily bode well for him or yeah it's just basically like 
I don't think you did him any favors with the gameplay, right? And it goes back to something that uh, my good buddy Will McFadden of the Believe in Falcons podcast, I saw him tweet about this uh, over the weekend, which is the play call goblins. And those are the folks that like to blame everything on the play calling and are foaming at the mouth. And you're probably sitting here going like, this is what we've been talking about all year long. And, you know, my response to that is like, I don't think this has been an issue all year long, right? This game to me, relatively speaking, is an outlier. But unfortunately, it's really poor timing to have this sort of outlier type of poor play calling, questionable game plan performance from Arthur Smith because he's under a lot more scrutiny today than he would have been at any other point earlier this season. And even if this game is a one-off in terms of the questionable play calling, it certainly isn't going to help his cause to justify him keeping his job when you kind of need this team to be playing a much, much better brand of football this late in the season. So um, that is kind of wrapping up my thoughts on that. We'll we'll wrap up talking about, you know, some of the developments on defense. And we'll we'll also talk about, you know, you've heard me say the Falcons have eight holes and coaching and quarterback or maybe two of those. But what, what are the other six? So we'll get into that, guys, to wrap up today's episode as well. But first, let me tell you, Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy all the tickets for sports, the music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all in prices, views from receipt, and their best price guaranteed, taking the guesswork out of buying tickets. The killer last-minute deals mean you can buy tickets in seconds right up to the start of the event and sometimes even after. All in prices means you're not going to get hit with hidden fees. Views from receipt mean you can see the view from your seat before you buy. And their best price guarantee means if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they'll credit you 110% the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime by downloading the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, of course, tomorrow's episode will be a crossover Thursday with Locked On Colts hosts jake arthur and or zach hicks don't quite know you know which one does the crossovers we'll see we'll see we'll figure it out but anyway you can expect that preview on tomorrow's episode so continue to make us your first listen if you want to get access to the extended all 22 review um you can hit the link in the description below at joinsubtextcom slash locked on falcons uh you will get access to uh some of the plays that i'm talking about some additional plays that stood out to me uh, in this game, we'll probably talk a little bit about Ritter. We'll talk a little bit about why the run game wasn't working. Maybe some highlights from the defense that we'll break down coming up. And uh, whatever else, you know, comes to mind. And, you know, you get access to that by hitting that link in the description below. It's a 14-day free trial. So you can check out this week's free uh, as, a, you know, sort of a Christmas gift to yourself for something free. Uh, and if you like it, you know, after 14 days, you can pay $4.99 a month for it. And if you don't, then, you know. You can wash your hands of uh, being a Locked On Falcons insider like we are all washing our hands of Arthur Smith. So uh, that's the beauty, right? You know, you don't have to live another 14 months with Arthur Smith as your Falcons head coach. You don't have to live, you know, whatever. Anyway, you you guys get what I'm saying. So uh, I'm done promoting that. So go check that out if you haven't uh, already. So, you know, let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about some new wrinkles. And this was an interesting game because the Falcons opted against using dime defense as much as they usually do, right? For most of this year on third downs and other sort of obvious passing situations, the Falcons have overwhelmingly been a dime defense using six defensive backs. This game, they were not, right? Now, they did play a little bit more dime in the second half than they did in the first half, but it was notable to me that they were relying mostly on their nickel in those situations. 
Um, and you know, the dime safety in this game has normally been DeMarco Hellams, but this week it was Richie Grant because Richie Grant only played seven snaps. Uh, DeMarco Hellams got the start. Hellams was solid in this game. I think part of that is due to the way that the Falcons played. They played a lot of single high coverages, cover one, cover three on about 64% of the snaps based off of my charting of the game. Uh, and we talked about that last Friday as a sort of expectation of how the Falcons would play this. And in that role, you know, Helms is playing a little closer to line of scrimmage. He's playing often as a box safety. And that's where his skill set is, right? When we drafted DeMarco Helms, I said, basically, he's a poor man's Keanu Neal. Um, you know, he would have been the ideal backup for Keanu Neal in 2020, as opposed to Jalen Hawkins, where we drafted him. Uh, Jalen Hawkins is probably a better fit in the style of defense that we play now. But anyway, um, so that was something that was interesting to me. Now, the problem, however, with the Falcons playing those types of coverages this game, they didn't, they weren't that effective, right? You know, we, we figured the Falcons would stop, stack the box to stop the run against Carolina. They did that effectively in this game. Carolina did finish with 129 yards rushing, but like the bulk of that, like 99 of those yards came on like six plays, right? Where Carolina was able to bust some, some 10 plus yard runs. And overall, their success rate running the ball was like 28%. And I think outside of those six plays, they were averaging like one yard a carry or something like that. So the Falcons overwhelmingly were able to, to sort of stop, you know, Carolina from running the ball for on like basically, you know, 85% of their plays. Um, but unfortunately, that style of play didn't lead to good coverage, right? That when the Falcons were playing man or match coverage, which again is something that we thought they would do because they didn't have as much respect for the Panthers receivers. Um, based off my charting, Carolina's success rate against the Falcons man or match coverages and match coverages, by the way, is when you're playing zone, but you switch into man, you know, when a guy comes into your, your man, uh, into your zone, the, the Carolina's success rate on those man or match coverages was 61% and pure zone. It was 20%. And usually that's the reverse. Cause usually you would expect, okay, a young quarterback like Bryce Young, he's going to struggle against man. He'll pick apart the zone. Uh, I didn't look up the numbers from week one, but I'm pretty sure that like, you probably would have flipped those numbers, my recollection of that. And the fact that the Falcons were struggling in some of these man and match coverages against the Panthers receivers is, is a concern, right? That, as I said, like Carolina has arguably the weakest core of wide receivers in the NFL, right? And, you know, you saw an equal amount of Clark Phillips, Mike Hughes, and Jeff Akuda struggling in that arena. And that leads us to sort of what I want to wrap up today's episode, talking about the other six holes that you've heard me refer to. Cause I, I think the cornerback position is one of those holes that the Falcons have to address or have to solve, get up, find the solution to, you know, get better as a football team. Right. And when I say, you've heard me say like, okay, the coach and the quarterback are like two out of the eight problems. And I, I do think they are like, you know, and there's certainly as you know, the two entities that are literally like the face of the organization, arguably the two biggest holes. I, that's fair. Right. But I think far too often people just sort of assume that, hey, we just get a new coach and we get a new quarterback and boom, all our problems go away. And it's just like, no, you can't ignore the other six. And for me, those other six are, you know, wide receiver, right? The Falcons need to upgrade their number two wide receiver, get more speed on the field. They tried to address that with the Van Jefferson trade. It hasn't worked out, but they need to go back to that drawing board this offseason. The offensive line has been a concern, right? You know, and whether you're looking to upgrade a starter remains to be seen. But the last two weeks clearly show that offensive line depth is a major concern for this football team, right? It has affected how this team has played the last two games and have been a direct contrib contributor to their offensive struggles and limitations the last two weeks, 
right? It's easy for people to just say, oh, it's Desmond Ritter sucks and Arthur Smith's a bad play caller and just ignore the fact that, hey, the Falcons just don't have good, good enough offensive line depth to function as an offense. If and Again, I, I, I get it. You're down three starters. That's a hard hurdle to overcome, right? And again, this is why I sit here and I say, like, you know, the turf at MetLife has a bigger impact on the outcome of this, this season than, you know, <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of things that people like to pretend or, you know, but that's a separate conversation. So you got to figure out the offensive line. You either got to, you definitely got to improve the depth and you got to potentially figure out why did your offensive line blocking your starting five take such a huge step backwards this year. And you got to get those guys back to playing at a high level. You're, you know, I count two holes on your defensive line because I, I feel like you need two difference makers there. One of those needs to be an edge rusher, right? And then the other one, you have to basically decide it could be a second edge. Or it could be you starting to prepare for life after Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata because that has also been a contributing factor to some of this team's struggles in recent weeks because you've had, you know, injuries to David Onyemata. Again, was that the turf at MetLife that caused that? Or did he get hurt in the box game? I can't remember. You you guys let me know in the comments. Um, although I, I will sit here and say, like, all those guys that got hurt against the Bucks, you know, anyway. I'm sure that the turf didn't contribute to that in any shape or form. Um, but you need to get difference makers up front because like that's going to affect the outcomes of games, guys, right? Like, you know, we've talked about the Falcons not having a great pass rush this year and it not necessarily being as big a limiting factor this year because of the quality of competition, the soft schedule that they have from a quarterback standpoint, right? That, you know, the best quarterbacks you played this year are Jared Goff and Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and you got that out of the way in September, right? But next year you got, Dak Prescott, you got Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, potentially Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, depending on where you finish this year and where those teams finish this year. So you're going to need to be able to get pressure on the quarterback, or that's going to be a real problem next year like it was in previous years, right? So there's two difference makers you need up front. Then the cornerback position, as we talked about, like who is your cornerback to opposite A.J. Terrell? Like for most of the season, Jeff Okuda was playing really well. And you're like, okay, well, Jeff Okuda is going to be the guy. But over like the last four to six weeks, like Jeff Okuda's kind of hit a wall and he's just been okay, like not terrible, but like a real problem. And part of the issue with Jeff Okuda, not to pick on Jeff Okuda, but like he's not, he's really struggled in zone this year. And you're going to have matchups this year, next year, whenever, where it's like you're going to have to play zone. Like, for example, later this season when we play the Bears, we're going to have to play zone. We're going to play a lot of cover three in that game to try to deal with the Bears run game and Justin Fields. And if Jeff Okuda can't play in zone and you got him matched up against DJ Moore, like that's going to be a big problem, right? Like that's going to be something that, that prevents the Falcons from winning games, right? That game and other games in the future. And then the safety position, right? Like if, if Richie Grant is now just a dime safety, which is fine for me, right? You got to get a starter there. And we talked before about how, this team can't cover tight ends, right? Like that's been a major issue for this team in terms of how they match up against teams. And maybe Troy Anderson coming back mitigates that, but what happens if Troy Anderson get hurts again? And then you're back to square one and you're, so if you've been an every day or of this podcast, you've heard me talk about all of those things being problems for the team, that all of these things affect the Falcons ability to win games, that it's not just, hey, they have a bad coach, they have a bad quarterback, and all their problems start and end with Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter, as so many people would lead you to believe, right? 
we've talked about all these issues and these are all issues. That's why I sit here and I say, yes, these two issues are the most prominent. These are the two issues that everybody wants to point out and say, we got to solve these problems first, which is fine. If that's how you, if you want to rank them one or two, whatever, who cares, but don't ignore three through eight and act like, oh, nothing else is a problem. And that's what the point I'm trying to get across, where it's easy for us to just focus and say, it's all Arthur Smith's fault. It's all Desmond Ritter's fault. And once we replace those guys, boom. But guess what? These other six problems are going to lead to issues in the future. And we're going to be sitting here nine months from now. And when y'all sit here and convince yourself that, hey, this new coach is going to come in and solve all the problems that Arthur Smith couldn't present. And then nine months from now, you're going to see some of these same problems spring up. And then you're going to switch the rhetoric and be like, well, Arthur Smith, you know, completely derailed this talent and miss, you know, left the cupboards bare or whatever for the new coach. And that's why this new coach can work all but simply because you just b- basically believe that this one coach was going to come in and be this miracle worker and solve all the Falcons problem, which aren't true. And then you're going to come up with another narrative, another, you know, agenda or whatever to push to justify that you were wrong once more. So. That's one of the things I, I want to stress that it's not just simple. Hey, we just get rid of the coach. We get rid of the quarterback. All our problems go. We got to solve these other issues. And it's going to be hard to solve all those issues in one offseason. So one of the things, stories of the offseason is going to be like, you know, can you solve four of those problems? And maybe two of them are the coach and the quarterback. Right. And then you got to bandaid at least the other four problems so that you can make it through this season without it completely shattering and, and ruining your season. Right. So that's the thing I want to stress. That's going to be it, guys. We'll be back tomorrow with a crossover Thursday with Locked On Colts. Continue to make us your first listen. We're all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On Sports today. Locked On Sports Atlanta, 24-7 streaming channel. Your team every day.